Uh, turn to Psalm 112. <clears throat> In the 10 years that I've been here, I've seen, uh, um, I've learned a lot, experienced a lot, grown a lot, and something I've learned most importantly is the importance of decisions. Life is a series of decisions, either good decisions or bad decisions, big decisions or small decisions. Being on the, up until October, I had been on the ambulance for seven years, and I finished out as a paramedic when I resigned. Um, <clears throat> and the medical field, some medical instances happen to people, just, they just happen. But most of them are a product of lifelong poor choices that over time build up in the body, creating uh, heart disease and blood clots, causing strokes and things like that. Others are um, poor decisions that people make that lead to them dying in a car accident or taking their own life. I've seen plenty of those things. But people underestimate the importance of good decisions. And we think of the big decisions we make. Where are we going to go to college? Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to serve? Where am I going to work? Those things. But often we overlook the small decisions that we should make each day in our life. You can turn to Psalms 112. Did I already say that? Turn to Psalms 1. I'm just, it's jet lag. That's what it is. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I want to share the story of a man named John. John was born in 1930, right after the stock market crash and the beginning of the Great Depression. And he was raised uh, in church. His family moved in with his, his cousins and aunt and uncles to survive the Great Depression. We think we have a hard time in America right now. Not even comparable. We're just a bunch of whiners, basically. Um, so he moved in with his family. His parents were, were both deaf, and they didn't know sign language, so he had a hard time communicating with his parents, and he had to um, speak slowly and move his mouth specifically so they could read his lips, um, which caused problems for him talking later because of that. At 14 years old, John's mother was placed in a mental institute. At the time, the government, if you were deemed crazy, they could just take you and institutionalize you. So at 14 years old, he lost his mother into the mental institute. Upon graduation from high school at 18 years old, John saw his friends going the way of the world and resolved that he would follow Jesus. He married and enlisted in the Air Force for the Korean War. And while in Korea, his wife left him. And upon returning to the U.S., uh, John remarried a different woman and began working for the city as, uh, you know, the road crews, plowing and doing all the road work that takes forever. He loved sports, and he turned down the opportunity to play professional baseball in Chicago before the war because he knew this would interfere with his desire to raise a family and follow his faith. He coached his four sons in basketball, baseball, and football. He volunteered with the Gideons in which those are the people that hand out Bibles, if you're not familiar with the Gideons. And he played in an orchestra at his church. He raised four sons to follow Jesus. Besides leaving the country for war, he really 
never traveled much besides his, his different stations in the Air Force. John was generous with his time, money, and love. He let people in need stay at his house until they were stable. He gave faithfully to missions and prayed faithfully for those in his life. He lived a frugal life so that he could be generous. He preached his first sermon at 83 years old because there was nobody else to preach. He was never a missionary, a pastor, or a church planter. There will be no biographies written about him, and his name is generally not known besides the general name John. He raised four boys, a pastor, a doctor, a GM plant manager, and a house designer. He has 14 grandkids, nine of which have served or are serving in various capacities as pastors, church planters, or missionaries in the United States, Africa, and South America. He was a faithful, quiet man who worked hard and loved Jesus. I'm not sure how many people he actually led to Christ, but through his, grands, his kids and grandkids, hundreds of people have been saved. John was a blessed man, and his kids and grandkids and great-grandkids are blessed because of him. John was a blessed man because of what we see in Psalms 112. We're going to read Psalms 112, 1 through 10. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteousness. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked will perish. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I pray that you would speak to us through your word, the power of your word, the sufficiency of your word, the authority of your word. We can trust in your word. I pray that it would guide the thoughts and decisions that we make and that you would be glorified because of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. So verse 1 tells us the blessing of the Lord is for those who fear the Lord. We say, well, looking at the world, it doesn't really seem that way because it seems like the rich, wicked, not all rich or wicked, but the rich, wicked seem to be plenty prosperous. You don't really have to follow all the rules. You can, you can make your own decisions and live for the world and, and be blessed. Well, they have money. They don't have blessing. There is a specific difference. This blessing is not particularly a financial blessing. It's a spiritual blessing and a generational blessing. And the blessing comes specifically in fearing the Lord by delighting in His Word. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in His commandments. We know that's the Word of God, His commandments. But to delight 
in the scriptures. Now we think of these big decisions that we make, where we'll go to school, where we'll work, who we'll marry, those kind of things. But our big decisions are informed by our small decisions. Our big, our big choices are informed by our small choices. And the person who desires to be blessed by God will delight themselves in the Word of God. That doesn't mean that every time you open the Word, you're thrilled about it, that you want to read it. There's days when I, I just, at, at 8 o'clock, at 7 o'clock is when I, in the evening, is when I read the Bible and spend time in prayer. Even if I don't want to, I just do it anyways because it builds that good habit. And, it, and it's still, the Word still renews your mind even when you don't really want to read it. But the blessing starts with delighting in the Word of God. This man, John, was my grandpa. I lived with him for a while before I was married, and my wife at the time lived with my mom. And every morning I'd wake up to go to work at 4.30. That was the most miserable time in my life. Let me tell you that much right now. Working a miserable job. But just side note, I always have to do this. Um, the first places you work are going to be miserable. It's going to be hard work. You're going to get paid jack squat. That's life. You don't deserve everything just handed to you. The things that people in their middle ages have, they have because they worked years and years and decades for. So yeah, you're going to get a crummy job. You just work it, and eventually you move up in life. You build skills. You build character. That's life. Hard work is involved. Also, when you go shopping, you need to shop at Aldi's. <laughs> Do not buy your groceries at Dollar General or even Walmart, Aldi's. You, you, can, you can spend so much less money by shopping at Aldi's. It's a good decision to make. <laughs> Not sponsored by Aldi's. But every morning, I'd wake up at 4.30, and when I would get out of the shower, my grandpa would be already sitting in his chair, reading his Bible and spending time in prayer. Every morning, he delighted himself in the Word of God. Why does blessing come from fearing the Lord and following His Word? Because the Word is a powerful instrument that works through and out of our lives. Three very familiar verses. I'm sure we all know them. Psalm 119.11, I have hid your word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. Psalms 119.105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. You can't make good big decisions unless you make good daily decisions. I don't, he's, my, my grandpa started his day off in the Word. I, I finished my day off in the Word. I just, I have a hard time waking up early in the morning. It's okay if you do it later or in the midday or whatever. The time does not matter. But what, I, what I've seen in, 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 the short, in my short life and in the time working on the ambulance service is the main problems that people have is they're 
driven and consumed by their own desires, which lead to sin. And they, they don't know what to do in life. They walk around without purpose, confused, which causes depression, which causes spiral often into drugs and alcohol and abuse and, and all sorts of other things. There's many scenes I've been on of, of, of overdoses and people who we could save, people who we couldn't save. And it's always the same. They have a family around them. Children. One, one time there's a little kid, his mother overdosed, sitting there playing in the heroin, empty heroin baggies of their mother. These things don't happen in a moment. They happen over time. The thing is, though, we put off the small things. We put them off, put them off because we're busy. Put them off, put them off. We're not interested. We put them off, put them off. We want to spend time with our friends. It's very hard to make clear, guided decisions when our mind has not been clearly guided by the Word of God. I've hid your word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. Does that mean we will never sin? No, of course not, because we struggle with the flesh. But it means we can know the, the true difference between right and wrong in a world that is confused about literally everything you could possibly imagine. You all know this. You're living in these modern times. What was used, used to be straight biological fact is now a matter of choice. Very strange times that we're living in. So the Word of God, delighted in each day, can help guard us from sin. <clears throat> and the Word of God, delighted in each day, can help guide us on our path to follow <coughs> Jesus. It says, your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This is something I like to share a lot. For a long time, I was so concerned about what I was going to do in the future what is God's will for my life? Where am I going? What am I going to do? Where am I going to work? Where am I going to serve? Those kind of things. I was always so frustrated that I was not where I wanted to be. But you know, God's will for your life is not about the future. It's about today. It is about today. God's will for your life today is to seek Him in His Word and in prayer. And if you do that faithfully each day, of course, we miss, miss days and stuff. I'm not saying it's that big of a deal sometimes, but each day as we seek him, he will guide us to where he wants us to be. This is the importance of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. If we trust in the Lord with all of our heart, and lean not on our own understanding, but acknowledge Him in everything. He will direct your path. See, so much we want to control our, <clears throat> our destiny, our future. We want to be the best we, we can be, believing in ourselves. You know, that's the worldly advice, the worst kind of advice you can ever have. Don't believe in yourself. Believe in God working through you. Because when we start to believe in ourselves and our own capabilities, 
they actually become our weaknesses. You think, well, I'm really good at, you say the Lord, I'm really good at, a, uh, I would say, leading music or, or preaching or something along those lines just as far as ministry is concerned. I'm really good at these things. God, you would be blessed to have me serve you in this capacity or another capacity. And, and you know, you plan the sermon and you're like, man, this is going to be great. Like, ah, I'm going to deliver it this way and people are going to love it and they're going to cry. I know exactly what to say to just draw the tears out of people's eyes and when exactly to say the right thing to make people laugh. And as you preach, those of you who can, over time, you'll actually learn how to do these things. And it becomes dangerous because you can preach a very emotionally charged message that elicits a response that is completely void of the Spirit of God working through you. I've done it before, not knowing, until afterwards I was like, man, that's, that's really not what I meant to do. But when we rest on our strengths and present them to God, you know what he sees? Nothing. He sees our pride. And you know what he's not going to do? He's not going to use those things because he doesn't get glory from our strengths. The things that we, we lean on so heavily. We should not lean on our own understanding, but acknowledge him. In, in the course of life, as we make decisions on one side or on another, big decisions, small decisions, <clears throat> they're all getting us to someplace. The grave. Right? That is the course of our life, is death. The, the minute we're born, we begin dying. Our days are numbered. And we so want to tightly hold on to our lives, to control our lives. But in doing so, think of, think of two points, A and B. You are A, and you want to get to B. When we lean on our own understanding, we do this, this stuff. We kind of wander off course and, and go backwards and, and, and around and up and all the wrong places. And we're not making any progress to get to point B. But scripture tells us that if we acknowledge him and trust in him, he will direct your path. He'll not tell you maybe what you're going to do next month or next year, but he'll show you what to do today. And he'll get you to next month and to next year. The most freeing thing you can do, specifically those who struggle with anxiety, focus on today. When I was a little younger, I'm not sure if this is even still a thing some of you recognize, there was a term called, they said YOLO, you only live once. Anyone here never heard of that? Okay, I'm not that old, I guess, so... You only live once. And the idea was like, just live for today. We only have today. Enjoy life. Their idea of it was not the right idea. But as, sometimes we as Christians need to, to embrace it. Live for today. Live for Jesus today. The scripture tells us not to worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has its own worries. What's the sense of, of having anxiety and anguish over what could happen next year? You could make it to next year. You could die next year. You could get a promotion. You could get a nice job where you make lots of money. You could move to another country. You could get married. Your spouse could die. You could have a child. 
If you go through the, all the list of things, holy cow, I would never leave the house again. But that's not trusting in him. He will direct your path. The best decisions that you can make are to spend each time, spend time each day in the Word of God. Verse 2 says, His descendants will be mighty on earth, and the generation of the upright will be blessed. Notice his descendants will be mighty, and the generation of the upright will be blessed. Why? Because of the decisions he made. Because of the way they raised their family. You can raise your family great, and they can still turn out bad because they have free will. But good decisions made today will be a blessing to your descendants. Hard decisions made today will be a blessing to your descendants. Bad decisions made today will be a detriment to your descendants. On both sides of my family, there's, there's my grandpa John, who I've been talking about. <clears throat> Mostly on this side of the family, they're, they're Christians and have followed Jesus. They're successful, have gone to college, work good jobs, everything. There are, there's, there's some divorce and stuff. It's not perfect. But on the other side of my family, my great-grandfather, um, he was in the Navy, and during World War II, he wasn't too faithful to my great-grandmother, causing a divorce. And <clears throat> the family was not raised to follow, though they were raised in church, they were not raised to follow Jesus. And now, generations down the line, that family line is, I can think of maybe a couple of them that are still married, only a couple of them that have not been to jail, a couple of them that have even thought about going to college. Broken homes, poor decisions, drug use, jail, it's a side effect of poor decisions made generations ago. The decisions you make today will affect your grandchildren in the future. You might say, well, I'm only 18 or 19 or 20 or whatever. Okay. My grandpa's decision at 18 to resolve to follow Jesus is why I believe I'm even here today. In 1948, he made that decision to follow Jesus. Your decisions matter. They will either bless or destroy the lives of your family to come and the lives of the people they could have witnessed to, they could have been a blessing to. As I said, my grandpa never was never a missionary, never a pastor, never a church planter. But there's been hundreds and hundreds of people that have come to faith in Christ through his descendants. He's just a faithful, godly man, quiet man. The fact that he preached a sermon at 83 years old, shocked. I, unbelievable that he would ever do that. But he was ready because he was a man of the word. And his blessings came from that daily time in his word that informed his good 
decisions. So the question I have for you, what informs your decisions? Who informs your decisions? And do you grasp the reality that the decisions you make right now will affect the lives of people 80 years from now? Go ahead, everyone, bow your head and close your eyes for me. <clears throat> well, before that, sorry, I forgot like an important part. My grandpa died in 2019, and my uncle called and said, hey, this was after he had died. They were going through stuff. And he said, hey, is there anything of your grandpa that you want? I said, I want his watch and his Bible. I could care less about anything else. His watch was just more of a memory thing for me, because anytime at church, I'll go up to him and give him a hug. He'd give me a peppermint, always a peppermint. He also had this annoying throat clearing thing that I have, too. Um, and he would always like check his watch. It was always in his pocket. He never put it on his wrist, always in his pocket. And it wasn't a pocket watch. It was actually a wrist watch. And so I wanted that, found out it was just some cheap one from Walmart. But it was the, the keepsake. And the other thing was I wanted his Bible. And this is his Bible. This is his daily Bible that he, he read. I mean, after this was from 1985, so all the years of use. I wanted this because I knew this was the secret to the success in his life. It can be the secret to generational blessings for you as well. Can everyone bow your head and close your eyes for me? I don't know all of you and all of your stories, but I know some of you probably screw around. Some of you are here at Bible College, but you're not taking your life seriously. It's okay to have fun. But at some point, you have got to come to grips with reality. You are here for something far greater than yourself. Something that will outlast you. Outlast your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. And it takes saying, you know what, I'm selfish. I've been making easy choices. It's time for me to make the hard choices. It starts, most importantly, with having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Turning away from your sin and saying, God, I'm, I want to give up my life and I want to follow Jesus. I realize he is the only way of salvation, the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to heaven besides through him. And I want to place my faith in him and ask him to change my life. But those of you who have trusted Christ, it's time to say, God, I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do. Go wherever you want me to go. Say whatever you want me to say and give up whatever you want me to give up. The only thing preventing that is you. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity to look to your word. Your word is truth. Your word gives us understanding your word guides us in our past, doesn't leave us confused. And Lord, if we simply follow you each day, you will show us where you want us to go, just as Abraham. And you will lead us to a land of blessing. Not financial blessing per se, but great spiritual blessing. 
that will outlast us. Lord, help us to leave a lasting legacy on this earth. A lasting legacy. Not so that we will be remembered, but so that your name will continue to be glorified for generations to come. We thank you, Lord, so much for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen.